1: Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. Joining me today to look back on a rather eventful draw at Doncaster Rovers on Saturday are our Argyle experts Chris Harrington, Jack Ball, and Baron Cross. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi, Stu. Hi, Stu. Chris, Jack, Mm -hmm. you were both there on Saturday. Um, Before we get on to the Darren Ferguson comments, Mm -hmm. let's have a chat about the game itself because it's been overlooked a little bit, really. Chris?
2: Yes. Good good point. Yeah, I I, I think, you know, Darren Ferguson clearly wanted to make his points about the referee. If you were a a cynic, you would say it was a good way of distracting people from his team's poor performance because they were 1-0 up at half-time. Argyle didn't really cause them any problems in the first half and that, from a Doncaster point of view, it was a game we should have gone on and won fairly easily on that first half performance, but um, they were they were poor second half. Um, Argyle improved, you know, I'm not dismissing that Argyle improved and played better. They got on the front foot, they got the full backs forwards, uh, they stopped the Doncaster wing backs from getting forward and, and played some good stuff, created chances. Anthony Sarsovic had two or three really good opportunities. Ryan Taylor, Argyle looked a threat from set pieces. They certainly deserved the equaliser they got from Ryan Edwards in the 74th minute. They had good opportunities after that to have got, got a second goal. And then obviously there was the penalty incident at the end, you know, which uh, could have seen them losing the game. So all in all, looking at the bigger picture, a point away from home against a, a decent Doncaster team who perhaps weren't at their best on Saturday. Not a bad result, really.
1: No, and Jack, you notice a different type of goal really,
0: to the one that you saw at Blackpool in the second half. Yeah, it was almost the complete opposite. Me and Chris were oh. talking on the way home. You know, against Blackpool, Argyle started brightly and Blackpool came out in the second half, all guns firing, and, and they were they were the ones that most would have gone on to win the game had the game been played longer. For Doncaster, it was the other way around. You know, Argyle made a, a slow start. Jamie and Ness took a little while to get up to speed, which is understandable given he hadn't played a game for a very long time. Um, and Doncaster were well, the better team, and at half time you're thinking, oh, I'm not, I don't think, oh, I don't see how hard I can get anything from this, especially their record of not coming back from going to goal down. But in the second half, it, it was a totally different game. And like I said, it was total opposite to Blackpool. Argyle came up firing. And as Chris mentioned, Slarcevic had a few good chances. And if any team were going to get the three points, if the game went on for another 10 15 minutes, it would only have been Argyle.
1: Yeah, and, and Baron, I guess that's imperative for Argyle right now. Try and win the home games, and anything they pick up away from Home Park yeah. is a bit of a bonus right now.
3: Yeah, um, Chris made a good point in his post uh, match video at KeepMate Stadium that who would have thought it that a few weeks ago, a few months ago, we'd oh. have said that um, a 1 1 draw at Doncaster would have been seen as a. Bit of a disappointment, yeah, despite the fact it's keeping that unbeaten run going. So, you're absolutely right, Stuart. I think if you look at it in context and they're quite sort of sensible about it, drawing your away games, winning your home games, you're not going to go far wrong.
1: No, that's right. Uh... Who stood out for you guys then? Any individuals particularly that, that caught the
2: eye? Uh, I gave Sunny Bradley my, my man of the match in him the ratings, and I thought, you know, he he's he's on a good run of form at the moment. He's he's playing really well. He's really strong. He's solid. Um, I thought he, he and, and Ryan Edwards did did a good job with John Marquis, and um, it was unusual for Argyle to concede the goal the way they did. It's not often you see the opposition literally play their way through the through the middle of the team. But that one blemish apart uh, and and one lapse from Ryan Edwards where Randy Matthews had to make a good one-on-one save, I I thought Argyle defended really well. So, you know, Bradley is in good form. He's involved in the penalty incident, which we we can talk about in a bit. Um, But I thought he played well. I thought Jamie Ness, considering he'd been out for so long, you know, came through the 90 minutes. He seemed to get actually stronger as the game went on. Um, So I thought that was encouraging for him to come back in. Um, a little bit of a surprise that he was thrown straight back in I think, you know, I thought uh, the manager would go with Jan Songo but you know, I can see why he went with Jamie Ness because he's perhaps more of a like-for-like replacement for Diagaraga Garaga than Jan Songo who's a a defensive player, which Jamie Ness has got the ability in his game Mm. to get forward, drive forward from midfield and uh, we spoke to him after the game and um, you know, we, we were talking about replacing Diego and how he felt about it. And um, we joked that it's big shoes to fill. Big <laughs> shoes in terms of the level of performance, mm. but also big shoes, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, but, you know, he, he's aware that Diego impressed the fans and everyone were really impressed with him. And um, I think he's hoping he's got 18 games, or well, our have got 18 games this season. I think he's hoping that he might get an opportunity, short term, long term, Try and prove that he should stay in that team and, and and carry on in that central midfield three.
0: Yeah, Jack. Do you see him as
1: a long-term replacement for Diogo Arga or? or well, we all pretty, pretty impressed thing. when he had that
0: little spell in the team back in end of September, start of October. We all pretty impressed, mm-hmm. I think, with with his contribution when he came in because obviously he suffered injury in pre-season. For Jamie Ness, it's just about trying to keep fit, isn't it? He's had injury troubles this season, and if you're looking to try and cement a place in the team and try and stay at our going forward, you know, after this season, he needs to run of games otherwise. Is going to look like he's going to be looking for a new club in the summer if he's not if he doesn't keep his fitness. But he he did well. Chris is right. You know, I think in the first half you really noticed mm-hmm. the, the the missing Di But in the second half. Jimenez sort of got caught up with the pace a bit more and he got more into the game. But you asked who stood out for me. Sartovic he needs to work on his shooting. There's no getting away from that, but it's so encouraging to see him get in some of the good positions that he's got into recently. And Lionel Wainsworth as well, when he came off the bench, made an impact. And when you bring subs off in those types of games, you look for them to make an impact. And mm-hmm. they've started doing that recently. So again, that's quite impressive.
1: Yeah, Chris, you mentioned to me uh, right. off air a minute ago about Wainsworth uh, um, lim- yeah, as a potential...
2: Well, if, if they're going to play this sort of 4-3-3, which clearly is working quite well at the moment, Ainsworth is that option alongside Taylor and Carey if Lamirez doesn't continue to perform as he has done. Uh, Lemirez has done really well since he's come into the team. I don't think he was at his best in, in the first half on Saturday. Uh, none of the Argyle players were, to be fair. He got subbed um, and they brought Ainsworth on. And when you play that 4-3-3, Ainsworth can play on the right of that, of that front three. Mm. And it, with his pace, he can really make those runs down between centre-backs and, and full-backs. He created a great chance for Anthony in, in that where he got in behind the Doncaster defence, cut the ball back to Sasevic and he had a, a shot well saved by the Doncaster keeper Ian Lawler. So, um, yeah, a- Ainsworth didn't do himself any harm at all. And we we talked, about, uh, talked to Derek Adams about Ainsworth after the game, and he made the point that he, he'd been really impressive in training Ainsworth Thursday and Friday. And he said that was why he was the first sub, not Jervis or Grant. He said he'd done so well in training on mm. Thursday and Friday that when I was going to make the change, he was the one. So it just shows you that what the thinking that goes into substitutions. and. It's a good sign, isn't it, yeah. that Ainsworth is remaining motivated. Right? Yeah. He's never had a fair crack of it this season. No, but he's, he's still
3: pulling trees up and training. He's
2: been in and out, and the manager made the point. He was the first start because he'd been really mm-hmm. good in training on Thursday and Friday.
1: I remember you at the start of the season, Baron, doing podcasts, and he was the one player that really impressed you in pre-season. Yeah, so. he looked
2: very, very good. I mean, and
1: when, when you speak to him as well, he just loves being a pro yeah. footballer, doesn't yeah, he? <laughs> he's great he's, to speak he's to. He's a brilliant
3: guy. Yeah, I mean, when I spoke to him pre-season when he first arrived, did his first interview with the Herald, and he was brilliant to talk to. Really, really refreshing guy to speak with. Um, he's had a lot of experience. He's a lot of clubs. Yeah. he's done a lot in the game, mm-hmm. and I think he he really just, just wants to settle down. I think I think he's fed up with taking his family around the country and wants to settle down and make a go of things and if he's still you know what we're in now we're in January mm. and he's still going and training with that fresh outlook and mm. looking to impress Derek Adams the fact that he's had no real opportunities up to now yeah. so I think, I think obviously you're obviously right I mean I wasn't at the game on Saturday but, but I think Ainsworth's pace is always going to work in any kind of formation mm. but if he can compliment Carey and Taylor then mm. it, it's competition for places isn't it Lemirez knows that you can't rest on his laurels if he's got Ainsworth breathing down his
2: neck. No, I'm not advocating replacing Ramirez just yet because he's, he's he's done yes. well, and I, I think you know it would be unfair to sort of one not quite a so good game and, and changing. But Ainsworth is right on his on his toes now. Yeah. If he's if he's not on his game in the next few. <coughs> Ainsworth's there and it's always nice to have an impact sub that you can
3: throw yes. on with
2: 20 minutes half an hour to go isn't it You yeah,
3: know, most opposition managers mention Ainsworth when you talk to them they do talk about Ainsworth's pace off the bench they are aware of it and
0: one final note worth worth noting is again how good I'll go away from set pieces they had two free kicks one which went in from um, Graham Carey that Sonny Bradley had a note cleared off the line and then obviously the goal that, that Edwards scored and after the game in amongst all the other stuff he said Darren Ferguson said they've only conceded one goal from set, a set piece this season and very few last season so it's no mean feat that they managed to have one shot hit yeah. off a line and then got the, the, the goal, even though Darren Ferguson wasn't particularly happy yeah. with that.
1: It was a good finish as well, to be fair, wasn't it? From,
0: from Not everybody's. bad finish from the centre back. No,
1: exactly, exactly. Right then, uh, the Darren Ferguson comments. Obviously, it's uh, pretty well known what he said, but just to remind everybody uh, before we go on and, and speak about his comments, let's just have a reminder of uh, exactly what he said.
3: I think it's disgusting. Sorry. Well, so you confront the the officials yeah, on the pitch I again? Yeah, I absolutely.
1: Absolutely disgusting absolutely disgusting the standard of refereeing there and of all all officials to not see that is is a disgrace So will there be a complaint going in from you? Well it doesn't matter because we'll get a letter on probably next week some stage we'll get an apology so we got a letter after the Oxford game we apologise that we played an extra minute of injury time and we apologise that we gave a penalty that was clearly outside the box but the referee that referees that game is refereeing again at the weekend We'll get another apology, because when they look at it, they'll say, oh, it was a blatant penalty, and it was a blatant foul, but they'll referee again at the weekend. They're part-time, the standards are appalling, the fitness levels are a disgrace. It's absolutely bad enough of it. It's disgusting, the referees at the standard at this level. So what would you do to what stop them? What can that? I
0: do?
1: What
3: would you like to see the FA do? Shoot them.
1: Be a good idea. So there we go. Uh, A few comments from uh, some of our listeners. Gary Palmer. Would Mr. Ferguson have wanted to kill the match officials had the penalty decision gone against Argyle in Doncaster's box? Me thinks not. And Terry Gregory. I'm a Plymouth Argyle fan and we saw many games at Home Park where the referees have been bad. I do agree with Ferguson in a way. The standard is very poor. Um, Asked what he would like the FA to do to referees. As you said, he wants them to be shot, basically. Uh, He... Then came out yesterday and, and claimed it was tongue-in-cheek when he uh, issued his apology. <sighs> Chris, mm. what, do you, what do you make of this whole referee should be shot?
2: Uh, well, he's, he's clearly gone too far. I think it, it's a shame that he went on and said that because he did have some valid points to make. Mm. Um, certainly points that are worth discussing. Um, certainly points that the FA need to have a look into. Um, the, the fitness issue about referees, I'm, I'm not so sure the referees aren't fit enough um but the, the well, standard can we
1: come on and talk about yeah. that in a minute the, yeah the shooting, the shooting of the referee i mean he's, he's... he said it was tongue-in-cheek yeah. yeah
2: no well whether it was in tongue-in-cheek tongue in or not you can't say that and uh, he's gone too far and he'll suffer the consequences the uh a statement was a clarification statement was put out early on sunday morning clearly doncaster rovers felt they needed to be proactive in responding to the criticism mm. that the uh, that, that particular comment had made. So he's gone too far. Like I th- said, my, my point would be he had some good points and some fair points. Yeah. But by saying that last bit, it's completely overshadowed the point that presumably he wanted to make.
1: Yeah, Jack, you were actually in on the yeah. press conference, yeah. weren't you? I mean, you were gobsmacked by what you were hearing. Well, I mean, my
0: journalist, when, when you hear man just saying things, you straight away think that's a good story, that's a good line, and I think everyone in the room sort of looked around each other and were thinking exactly the really? same thing. Um But. Like you said, I was there, I don't think it was tongue-in-cheek. Now, we all know he wasn't being serious and literally saying that referees should be shot, but there were, there were no laughs afterwards. He was saying it out of anger. Yeah. I wouldn't regard that as a tongue-in-cheek comment. Now, clearly he wasn't being serious. But again, it, it totally distracts from the, from the points of the game. But it's a stupid comment to make. I just don't think in this day and age that joking about anything, violent or not, is a smart thing to do. And, you know, you're going to offend people. And the, as far as I'm concerned, the, the FA have to make an example of this because where do you draw the line if he doesn't get punished? Can no manager come out the next week and say people should be stabbed? You can't. You can't make jokes about these types of things, regardless of whether he class it tongue in cheek or not.
1: Yeah, I mean, Baron, you and I were working yesterday and <laughs> we're dealing with the fallout. What, mm. what did you make of it when you first heard of this?
0: It was, comment? it was amazing, really. I mean, the first time I heard of it was was Jack had sent me
3: a message on Saturday evening and, and it said um, you posted the link, didn't mm. you, and, uh, on, mm. on Facebook for us? And um, I think the fact that, that Jack had gone and done the story straight after the match, was normally we take for Sunday morning, showed how um, how good the story was. So. Um, When I read them, and the shoot them comment doesn't come until like the fourth or fifth part of that, but and you get through the first three parts, and God, this is strong stuff, and it just keeps getting stronger and stronger. (laughs) It was just, it was was an incredible body of quotes that you come out with, Um, and and it's easy to make a comparison with his dad, isn't it? But I mean, he's a fiery Scot, and he's come out, and he shouldn't have said it at all, and it's. um, It's Phenomenal that 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 sort of self checker in his head has not said, Don't say that. You know, you can be strong. We hear managers being talking in very strong terms about about referees most weeks and in all divisions, but you know, there's some phrases you don't come out with. It was Mm. incredible that he'd said it, and I'm sure, you know, did he regret it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the club probably probably told him, You know, we need to put something out whether you like it or not. But I mean, given the type of bloke he is, I mean, he's he's a very proud man, and I I, I suppose he'd. Maybe would would retract, the shoot them comments, but I think he's still very, very fierce in mm. uh, in, in what he was saying and believes he was speaking the truth. As he said, he said, you know, I'm, I'm speaking the truth,
0: didn't they? And yeah. he was when he was asked, you know, what, are you worried about repercussions from your comments? And I think part of him had forgotten he had said the shoot them part because he didn't really he didn't really refer to that again. But I said to Chris on the way back in the car, you know, certain managers might want to make a name for themselves, and he's happy to take a fine on the chin. He's happy yeah. to mm. even take a few games ban possibly because. I think some managers that are outspoken are more likely to go further in their career. There may be some that are very softly spoken and don't say things Yeah, like
1: that. And as you rightly said, Chris, he did make some really valid points mm. in what he said initially.
0: Mm.
1: Let's break it down a little bit then. Yeah. Standard of refereeing, he said, was absolutely disgusting. Now, you guys go to League One games mm. week in, week out.
2: Is that something you agree with? Uh, I'm not sure I'd say absolutely disgusting, but it's definitely mixed. You're never quite sure from one week to the next what you're going to get. Um, so I do think there is an issue over the standard of refereeing.
0: It's just um, it's quite worth pointing out that he mentioned in the conf, in, in in the conference he gave afterwards that in the Oxford game prior to this, yeah. they had a penalty, Oxford given a penalty yeah. and it should have been a free kick, and he'd had to a letter from the FA apologising for that and apologising for playing an extra minute than they should have done. So. That was obviously still very fresh in his mind and I think that played a big part in his comments after the game that he'd had two games in a row where he felt poor refereeing had led to his team losing points. Yeah, I don't think he
2: just... I don't think his comments on Saturday were just purely based on Saturday's game. I think it sounds as though Doncaster had had a few incidents before that and this was a culmination of that and he finally sort of uh, lost his rag and wanted to make a point. Um, I've seen some good referees, I've seen some pretty poor referees this season. Um, It's a real mixed bag and... um, you know, profe- you know, professional referees. You know, they have them in the Premier League as an awful lot of money swirling around in football. You know, don't League One professional players and, and fans deserve to have professional referees taking charge of games? I, I I think that's a very a very fair point. Fitness, I'm not so sure. Um, I, I can't say I often sit there and think, oh, that referee's not keeping up with play or whatever like that. You can you can pick out odd incidents, but I think a referee you know, who's reasonably fit should be able to run a diagonal from one penalty box to the other and keep doing that for 90 minutes. So I'm not so sure fitness is the issue, but I think application of rules, consistency of, of rules, um, you know, the, the, the management of players... Things like that definitely could be uh, definitely could be. Improved. Do you remember
3: the one um, the other week when um, uh, it was it Kettle that had all the play- all the players having a drink, weren't they? Mm-hmm. And Kettle was actually yes. blown for Matthews to take the goal- goal-, goal goal free kick. Yeah. And Fox was the only he one is. on the pitch. He was. And was beyond the halfway line saying, "Give it to me. It's me versus the goalie." <laughs> yeah. And there was this, this farcical scene where all, yeah. all these players <laughs> are throwing their bottles and chasing after David Fox, and Fox's eyes were almost lighting up. <laughs> and Kettle's like, "No, no, no.
2: It might have been that. Take yeah. it back." But. I think think the the yeah he blown. Yeah, yeah I, I think was, he was ridiculous. I think he was unaware that David Fox was there. Yeah, and, and <laughs> David Fox, Fox has seen his goal and, bonus and, there yeah, in front of all, him. All exactly. the all the Argyle fans were shouting at Remy Matthews to play the ball to uh, to David Fox, and as soon as he did, the referee blew up. So yeah, um, I'm not sure. Absolutely disgusting. Mm. But Darren Ferguson's in the heat at the moment and and what have you. But the standard of referee definitely def, 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 definitely needs to be looked at and addressed. Mm. And I hope that by saying what he said. You know, it is over, that's what, that bit's overlooked. I think the FA do need to, if they do take action against Darren Ferguson they should also be prepared to take on board the, the, the comments he made about And it, see it as way. being constructive as yes, well, absolutely. because although it
1: is an outburst, there yes. is, as you say, there's a lot yeah. of truth in what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to the fitness aspect of it then, Jack, do you think the fitness levels are a disgrace?
0: It does surprise me sometimes when I see some referees and they are in their 40s and they have got a bit of a pot belly. That does surprise me. I don't mean that in an offensive way, but you're running on a picture of a load of athletes. I can understand why some might get frustrated at that. But they're not full-time pros. No, they're not no, full-time exactly, athletes. Exactly, are exactly. Are they? not they've blaming... got
1: 9 to 5 jobs during yeah. the week.
0: So I'm not blaming them for that, but, but I can understand why some people might take you know might take something against that. But then as Chris said, there's there's, pre- there's full-time referees in the Premier League and if you mm. watch a match of the day, they'll be criticized all day long. You know these full-time professional referees are, are not free from criticism but what I would say is if the FA did make them full-time then you're giving the teams the best chance you know you're making everything as professional as possible to try and make mistakes less often so I think again like Chris said there's definitely a lot of good things you said in there and I, and I think it's right you know referees often aren't allowed to be criticized and I don't agree with that necessarily I think everyone else in football has to be uh, you know you have to give reasons for your actions mm. and, whatnot. and the, level, the lack of what they can say about referees, I don't agree with. Obviously, now, this time, Ferguson went a bit too far. But if a referee had a bad game, I think managers should be able to come out and say that. I don't see any problem with that. Now, obviously, he was very strong on what he said this time. Yeah. But that's his view. And, I, and one of the points he made in the press conference is, are they are going to find me what for speaking the truth? And that's... Now again, taking the shoot me comments out of it, he feels the levels aren't good enough, mm. and he said if they're gonna find me speaking the truth, then maybe it's about time they looked at the referees, rather than all the managers that keep saying these same comments over and over again, week after week.
1: I think that's the issue, isn't it? It's that shooting the, the referees, mm. that's what's gonna get him the fine, not yeah. necessarily mm. what yeah. what he said. But,
0: but, but people have had fines before for just criticising mm. strongly. They, they, you know, loads of managers have, crit- have had fines for criticising and not said anything about shooting or any violent, you know, violent comments, so... It, and he takes issue with that, and I, do, I I understand that. I do agree with yeah. that.
1: And it's such a perilous industry, isn't it, Baron? You know, mm. we know what pressures managers are under. That they've got. I mean, we saw it with Lucchetti today. Yeah. Eight games, and he's gone. Yeah. You know, if, if these referees and decisions they make are so They're influential, players, aren't they? exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I
3: think, and that's, that's, what, it, that's what Ferguson's Zhang comes down to is that he's putting all that work in from from a Saturday to a Saturday, preparing for a match, and in his mind, it's all undone by this one man on the pitch who is deciding the ebb and flow of this match. Mm. And I think that's where the frustration comes from. They put all this work in, and it, and it it means nothing if the referee doesn't apply the law in the way they think it should be applied. So you can understand the frustration. You shouldn't have made the comments that you did, but... They're the result of anger towards referees, and, and and you can see why sometimes.
0: And another yeah. part of his press conference that's gone overlooked a bit is he claimed that the linesman was laughing about the decision yeah. after the game. And again, the FA needs to look at that because that's and it'll be overtaken by the shoot me, the shoot them comments. That, but, that would really. But, mm-hmm. but he, if you saw them laughing about it, that would yeah. really. And he did. He rushed up forward. as soon as as soon as the whistle was blown, as you'd expect from a fiery yeah. Scot like Ferguson. He went straight up to the officials. And he was saying that you know, he was laughing about it and, and saying, well, it's my decision, etc., mm. etc. Et and again, it's that my, needs to be looked at.
1: Yeah, I think the referee said
0: it's my, it was my a opinion little, yeah, and it's the, my opinion that counts. Wasn't yes, it? exactly. So along those lines. You again, all of these little bits, you can understand why he's so frustrated. Yeah. And obviously, he's gone a bit too far, but you, you piece it together and you sort of understand why he was so angry after the game.
1: Yeah. And as we say, Ferguson insists that he, hit, he is true with uh, what he said and finding him would be wrong. And that the FA need to address the problem, as opposed to finding him. So, if the FA are going to address the problem, what solutions are they, have they got to come up with? What, what can be done to improve? Make
2: them professional. I think if you make them professional, you. I think you, it's the only way to go, you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and you're also removing one of the excuses, criticisms. Frustrate uh, up, can't you? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, if if they're you're professional part-time. referees, you know, that's an easy. The referee, you, if you're going to have a go at the referee, he's not fair. He's not professional. We've got professional players. We train every day you know, why are we being officiated by people who are not doing the same mm-hmm. thing. If you make professional referees and that obviously is an expense involved in that, but like I say, there's, there's a lot of money in football. A, there is a lot of money in football. And, but you and, can have
1: sponsorship deals and things like that for referees, yeah, couldn't you, where you can get even more yeah, money coming yeah, into the game to fund you it. Could
2: do, and I I never like a situation where like Premier League has premier full time referees yeah. and it has VAR mm-hmm. and it has this and it has that. Yeah. And yet League One, which is two levels below, and is a full time professional league with big crowds and big clubs, you don't have you are not allowed to have VAR and you're not allowed to have professional referees. You you're seen as yeah. second class citizens. Mm. I think that is bad for professional football. Yeah. So if you're gonna have professional referees, have them across the board. Yeah. And then yes there's an expense, but you know, you can't tell me there's not enough money in football, in the FA yeah, that there's not enough money to fund the amount of professional referees that you'd need to cover the 92 teams, 46 mm. games each week. And it tells yeah.
0: everyone, it tells all the managers that you are taking this seriously, you are taking this level of football seriously, which gets good crowds compared yes. to the rest of Europe. You yeah. know, I mean, the crowds you get in League One, League Two level aren't bad. And...
2: Professional referees make mistakes. Professional referees are going to anger managers. But you take out that, that way of battering them and saying mm. they're not fit, they're not full-time. You know, you know, they are as professional as the players. And then it, it does come down to opinions then, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely like that.
0: Sure. The other thing yeah. we discussed in the car back, and Chris made a suggestion, is that referees never have to come out and give comment on why they made certain decisions. I, yeah, I think that could possibly that. help. We'll and Chris, you that. had a suggestion about possibly, rather than having 20 reporters going up against <coughs> them and almost trying to reel them in and trying to criticise them, you suggested just having maybe one that would go and speak to them. I about think you can have reasons. one
2: poor reporter whose job was to go and speak to a referee and you wouldn't sit and have a five, 10 minute chat, but if there was an incident in the game that needed clarification, like the penalty incident, and you say to the referee, um, what was your view of that incident? Why did you give that decision? Thank you very much. And at least we then know what the referee's yeah. seen and why yeah. he's given the decision or not given the decision the way he has done. He's not getting harangued by loads of journalists who are all wanting to ask follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. You'd have to have guidelines. I don't think it'd be fair to put a referee a, you know, under the spotlight no, of 20 no. people haranguing them about one particular a couple of incidents. But It's
0: almost just getting a statement from them. Uh, uh, is They uh, could
1: leave it at that. They could just say all mm-hmm. referees can have to do is answer these two questions. Mm-hmm. You know, Why did you give that mm-hmm. decision?
2: And I think it would do referees' favours as well yeah. because we all know what Darren Ferguson feels about the penalty incident and about you know how, the bits and pieces, but why did the referee and the match officials not give that decision? Um, and, and just thought, but I, I think a poor reporter could go down, sp- speak to the referee and then come back and then tell the rest yeah. of the media this is what he said, this is his answers, and then we can pass that on to the fans and then at least we know where everyone's coming, where from. Everyone's coming from. Absolutely. You know, Whether it'll happen or not, I, I don't know.
1: No, and obviously the uh, the comments have now been passed on to the FA via PGMOL. Um, what do you see happening to Ferguson
2: next?
0: For, for me, I I feel it should be a touchline ban. I don't think you can advocate saying anything like shoot them in this day and age where there is some of the atrocities that go on in the world in this country, terrorism, all that sort of thing. And I, I know it's taking it to an extreme, but just saying things like that when you know it's you're a role model at the end of the day, and you've got children, you've got all sorts of people looking up to you and, and listening to your comments and taking what you say. And, and to f- make a throwaway comment like that I don't think sends out a good signal and I, again if, if the FM make an example you can stop <coughs> other managers from saying that down the line or anything remotely similar because you can be as angry as you want after the game but part of you as Baron said earlier in your head part of you should know that's unacceptable no matter how angry you are Venga
3: got a touchline banned didn't he for going into Mike Dean's office and gesticulating with him in the, in the wrong way they said so although this isn't directly at the referee Ferguson did go on the pitch yeah. after the match we don't know what was said there I mean God knows what he said to his face and then he goes into the press conference and, and makes it even worse so I think Wenger set a very recent precedent for for what what constitutes a touchline ban. So I think I think Jack's right. You're looking at two or three matches away from the touchline. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, heavy Chris fine, a fine yeah. and
2: heavy fine and or touchline ban. I think. I mean, I I, I, I sympathise with his frustration, but he he, he went too far yeah. and you can't you can't condone it and, and and make it seem acceptable for for other managers to say mm-hmm. something similar in a in a similar situation.
1: Yeah, I'll leave the final word to a comment we had from uh, Callum Kuzner on this subject. He said, I do not condone the comments that Darren said in his interview. However, he does highlight some key issues surrounding referees that I think are clear to see from any fan of the lower leagues. We pay good money to watch professional footballers each week. So surely it cannot be right for a part-time referee to be in charge of these highly staked league matches. I know football is, not, is a game of opinions and what one person may deem as a foul, some, somebody else may not. And I can accept referees are going to make mistakes, but they are increasingly affecting the outcomes of games more and more. I think he's kind of hit the nail Some on them head are there. Very well, yeah, yeah. I'm well, yeah, not yeah.
2: going to disagree with that, uh,
1: So moving on then, guys. Obviously the transfer window is open. We're almost halfway through it now, and uh, it's still, crazy, isn't it? yeah, that i was yeah. Um, Still only the one incoming. At home park with Remy Matthews um, there's a little bit of speculation yesterday of Ryan Taylor perhaps going to Bradford um, obviously it sounds like he's out of contract at the end of the season Chris
2: Yeah. Um, probably
1: just agent talk do you think or any oh, truth on that?
2: It's difficult it's, it's to tell, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was interest um, he's, well, he's, from right? that, he's from that neck of the woods, mm. he's playing well um, I suspect we, we don't get told too much on contract lengths of Argyle players but you know, having signed last January I wouldn't be surprised if he's out of contract this summer mm. Um, so um, a good chance to get his name in the in the spotlight. Um, but no, I wouldn't be surprised if there's interest in Ryan Taylor. I think you know he's, he's played very well since he returned from injury. But from mm. an Argyle point of view, you know he's a key player. So mm. the way they play, they've uh, you know Shifty's gone, Fletcher's out on loan, Bessis going somewhere. Yeah. You know they're, they're needing to add strikers, not lose strikers. So mm. um, well, well, we'll not say that one. But um, there's you know. There's a there's a difference I suppose between interest and actually following things up. But um never say never in football. We know no. if, um you know, if, if clubs are interested in players things can can happen.
3: There's, there's two respected journalists that have come up with that line mm. in, in the north of the country and yeah. I think they wouldn't put out yeah. rubbish. So I think I think they like Chris says, there'll be interest yes. whether that's actually whether it gets yeah. followed up. to a formal offer or not, yeah. really? no. The thing is,
0: if I was Derek Adams, I'd much rather lose him in the summer for free and stay in League 1 than possibly sell him for a cheap amount of money if his contract's up in the summer and lose him now and possibly find it hard to replace him as he has done so yeah, far yeah. and end up going down to S- League S- 2 as a result. Somebody
3: brought the up the day to me that we're looking at all the, the incomings and stuff but we're forgetting <laughs> that a lot of these players that signed contracts <laughs> a year yeah. ago, 18 months ago, people like Sunny Bradley, they're out of contracts yeah. this summer. Yeah. And we're in this awful place again where January, I have mean, got a bit like in Purrington almost. Yeah. Well, January, if somebody comes in late with a decent six figure bid for someone yes. like Sonny Bradley, yeah. Adams' hand might be forced. Because if Sonny Bradley goes in and says, I'm not signing in the, in the summer, mm. you've got to sell him. So, I mean, mm. it's easy to lose to lose focus on the players we've currently got and, and getting them tied down to new contracts. because...
1: Well, we've seen exactly that with Arsenal and Sanchez, haven't yeah, we? What's exactly, the situation exactly,
3: there? Exactly, That's exactly what I'm trying to say is yeah. that there are a lot of good players that now are in form, mm. teams are going to start looking at them. And yeah.
1: I mean, there, there, there could be the argument that it is just agent talk, and his agents now starting to say, "Oh yeah, you know, there are the contracts, Exactly, yeah. and force our goal to come out and say, "Well, no, we want to keep your you, Ryan. Here's a new contract for the next."
2: And that's sometimes the way, or, that's or sometimes years. the way it works. But I, from from what we know, I think there is is interest there. Yeah. And there's there's people that are respected people mm-hmm. who are suggesting that there's interest. So mm-hmm. I I don't doubt that. Um, Bradford have got Charlie White, who's a very good striker that they paid quite a lot of money for recently, and uh, and, and things like that. But um, yeah, I mean, if, if if you're doing well in League One and having good results and good performances, your players are going to get gonna get noticed. You know, Diego Arda yeah, got, exactly. got noticed because you know Ardell were doing well. You know, um, so yeah, I mean, oh God, I won't want to lose Ryan Taylor, but Baron makes a very good point. You know, this is a problem with the transfer window. You know. January the 30th, somebody phones you up yeah. and says it's six-figure sum for one of your players who's who out contract the in the, the summer. Who's yeah, out yeah. contract in the summer? What are you going to do then? That's just it's not it's an easy. easy one. Thing Especially
0: either. with Ryan Taylor, it's, it's it's so different, I think, to any other player because you saw how Argos struggled without him at the start of the yeah. season, and Deck has so far proved that he can't find a striker that's good enough to fill that role. Mm. So if he's sold him on the last day he's probably not going to find someone good enough to come in and, and I really do think that League Two could be a lot of a stronger possibility if we lost him on the last day. Yeah. It, it yeah. must be difficult
2: being a manager because you're, you're trying to bring it's in players and strengthen your squad so yeah, awesome. but all the time you've got that worry in the back, back of your mind what happens if somebody phones me and says they're making a bid for so-and-so. You know, you, as a manager, they must be so glad when it gets to February, thing, yeah. February the 1st. And, they turn their phone off, don't they? The last few days, they just don't want to know. No. Get to February the 1st and they thank goodness for that I know what I've got now.
1: I think the interesting thing in this transfer window so far is just how quiet it's been in terms of incomings at Argyle. I mean, we've not heard any rumblings of anything, really, have we? It's been very quiet, hasn't yeah. it? I mean,
2: Derek Adams does keep his cards close to his chest. He works with certain people, Agent Wise and things like that, who uh, seem to be fairly discreet. Um, you would, wouldn't be surprised if players from Scotland uh, maybe surface and, and uh, you know that, that maybe goes under the radar a little bit. But no, it is very quiet. It is yeah. very quiet. Um Although that, bearing, that, usage,
1: change, it? yeah, you, you suggested yesterday that Argo could back no, I don't know if there's any truth in it at all But you were mentioning Simon Church's name again
3: Yeah, there's, there's nothing at all from Argo I suggest they are interested in him But I think if you look at Simon Church He's not played as much as he wanted to at Scunfield mm-hmm. Graham Alexander has admitted that Church is one of those who, a bit like Jaguar Argo is, is going to be out of contract this month Which gives him the option to go elsewhere And I think if Adams liked him to bring him in For training early in the season I actually made an offer to him Church is, is that much fitter now, he's had th- three or four months, no real problems from what we understand, he's been fit for selection, so mm. if Adams was interested then why wouldn't he be interested in um, a yeah. international striker now in for free? We've just discussed how, how bare the market is, especially yeah. for free signings, so it's an option isn't it, at, at the very least. I mean,
2: It's one way you can join the dots and it sort of makes yeah, sense, it, isn't yeah, it? Yeah,
3: practically mm. it would make sense, you yeah. know more than that.
1: Um, moving away from the transfers then um, Wigan on Saturday followed by Oldham, Blackburn and Shrewsbury where can you see our goal season going from here it's almost the defining point of the season really, if they can pick up a few points from those four games then why
2: not make the playoffs uh, it's, it's an interesting yeah, one can it you imagine taking it? 9 or 10 points from those
0: four um, it's a tough yeah, run though. That's, it's a gotta tough, be said. that's a
2: tough run, I think after those four games we'll have a better idea of where our goal season's going in terms of whether it's purely staying up, whether it's trying to finish in a nice mid-table position, or if everything went extremely well, maybe more than that. But um, uh, that's a tough run of games, isn't it? Yeah. You know, Wigan um, at home this Saturday. They've um, just signed James Vaughan I've as well. They've just signed James oh, Vaughan. Um, I some signing they've, got, they've got Nick Powell there already. They've got lots of really good players. Um, uh, Jack and I were up at uh, the DW Stadium earlier in the season. For me, they were the best team I've ever played this season. Um, they were, they were very impressive they've got a strong bench as well, well you know that's a sign yeah. of any good team at any level isn't it when you look at their bench and think crikey they've got a match well as
1: I say I was looking at their form last week they're averaging two goals a game and they've just gone out and signed James Wall no, I mean it's, it's frightening, so,
2: isn't it? so, so Wigan's a tough one Old on the following Saturday Oldham are one place above the relegation zone at the moment so that clearly will be an important game where you want to keep the distance between you and Oldham and
0: Richard William will undoubtedly want revenge after that 4-1 drubbing at Hoon yeah. Park which yeah. is still going to be very recent in the memory yeah, Blackburn true. at
2: home Blackburn have, after a slow start it's the same Wigan test isn't it have, have got through and then Shrewsbury I think to a lot of people's surprise are, are maintaining pretty good form and yeah. staying mm. right up there so you're playing first, third and second in the next four games that's a tough run of games yeah. you know and I, I do think once once we get through that, you know, 14 games to go, you'll have played virtually all of the top teams in the division and then you'll have an idea of, of what direction Argyle are going in. But a good test, I mean, Wigan, you know, is going to be extremely difficult. Paul Cook's a good manager, we know that from yeah. his time at Portsmouth. Uh, they're playing well, they're scoring goals, they've got good players. The only thing you'd say is that Argyle are unbeaten in eight, they're playing with confidence. Yeah. If they yeah. play like they did in the second half against Doncaster, get in the front foot if they can, I mean... Clearly there will be spells where Wigan are on top and dominate. They've got quality players. But the way Argyle have been playing over the last eight games, you're not going to go into it and think they've got no chance. Especially with their home record. Is it five wins in a row? Five Five wins in a row. row. Big crowd turn up, get behind the team, it's the top of the table. That always is a
0: motivation, isn't it? To try and take the scale of the top of the table team. Um, it should be a good game. I think, oh, sorry, sorry, I think for me, the, one of the important things about Argyle not getting the equaliser against Doncaster, not, not only was it for the points, is the fact that it keeps that unbeaten run going, going yeah. into a very tough period. And and one other thing to note is Peter Reid will probably be coming back oh. for Wigan, um, yeah. which you know a lot of fans will be looking yeah, forward to seeing and we, we don't know if anything will be done yet, but it'll be interesting if the fans will give him a good welcome if he, if he gets a chance. Yeah, indeed. So
1: what would be a, a reasonable points hauled from those four cool. games. I'll put you on the spot with that one, Beren. good at <laughs> must
3: win or... is the most winnable, isn't it? So, yeah. I mean, but it's away can... from home. So well, yeah. that's that sort of, that a expectation. So I mean, it, you've got four matches there. I, I think, oh, probably get it, I'm probably going to get killed for this, aren't I? But I think if, if you took <laughs> four <laughs> points?
1: I think four points Four
3: or be... five, maybe? I think that would be very respectable, because they are... Th- you could have a go at Shrewsbury, but Wigan and Blackburn are very, very good, and yeah, they're really. both in cracking form. And you've just said they're strengthening all the time, so I think if you got if you took four or five across the four matches, yeah, I'd be happy with that.
1: So where's the win coming from? <laughs>
3: Oldham is the one you. you I mean, Oldham. the way I got to play away from home. I mean, if, if if Adams can do a job there, like Chris said Oldham are struggling. Owen Doyle's not playing. Davis is their only real outlet for goals. you keep him yeah. quiet, you've got a chance there.
2: Yeah. If they can get four points, then they're virtually on the forty mark. And then you know you, you want to try and get through the forties and get to your fifty. And once you get to fifty, a then, safety point, isn't it? once you get to fifty, then you're yeah. feeling a bit more comfortable about things. It, it's it's mm-hmm. a tough it's a tough run of games. Um, and you know, I, yeah, four points maybe from those, but. They are playing well. The conf- confidence yeah. is such a massive I mean, thing. We've is. spoken about this in the podcast. when I was struggling, yeah. and and you can just feel, you know, you can just feel when you talk to the players that there's a, you know, there was much more of a positive mood about things. So I wouldn't write them off. I mean, the, no. the, Wigan, the Wigan game will be a really good test. You know, they've, they've come a long way since October, haven't they? Mm. Um, but the Wigan game will be a test because I, I, I think Wigan will go on and win the league one, and and they're a good team with a good manager. So if I could get anything from that game, I think that's a really positive I song. think we may see Songa in that game. <clears throat> yes. I think Songa
1: may get a bit of use in this <clears> next four. <throat> yeah. But, you know, they beat Charlton at home, so there's no reason why they can't Absolutely beat right. yeah, And also, there,
0: they, so. they recorded good results. I mean, Wigan, it was they, they played quite well against them. They defended yeah. very well. And, um, and Blackburn, they got a draw at Blackburn. You know, the, the stranger things have happened. And I just think that they've got so much character in the team now, which we saw in the second half against Doncaster, I and mean, we've seen quite a lot this season. There's so much more visible character that there was at the start of the season and I, I don't think Wigan and Blackburn will be coming to Home Park confident of a, an easy an easy afternoon
1: no well they'll know as you say that five wins in a row are going to be flying at home really and Paul confidence Cook, Paul Cook
0: especially will know that, that and, know well. Well. Yeah. The yeah exactly
1: <laughs> right well thanks ever so much guys for joining me on the podcast that's all we've got time for this week and thanks to you out there for listening we'll be back again next week with more of the same